Hi, Fred. It's very good to talk to you today. Um, we will discuss the nexus between the Ukraine war and the Middle East, which is a region that we both study. So you just got back from Libya recently, which is fascinating. Can you talk a little bit about the Russian presence in that country? Have you noticed any decline, for instance, in PMC Wagner presence? And what do you more broadly make of the impact of the Ukraine war on Russia's presence in the region? Yeah, thanks, Hannah. It's great to see you again or listen to you again after our uh, congressional testimony together. I just got back from from Libya and the, the Russian Wagner forces are very much uh, present in the country. They are sitting on four major air bases and oil fields. And um, the sense among Libyan officials and foreign diplomats is that, you know, Russia is here to stay. Uh, there have been some rotations of Wagner uh, personnel out of the country uh, around uh, 200. Um, I was told these these fighters have specialties in urban combat and some pilots. But again, the majority of the forces are still sitting on this very strategic piece of real estate, you know, that gives Russia a lot of leverage, um, power projection into the Sahel. If it wants to, it could stir things up uh, in Libya uh, with regard to Western diplomacy. There's also the issue of the migration, the irregular migration into Europe. So Again, we're not seeing Russia, you know, take any destabilizing measures in Libya right now. However, diplomats, you know, are um, concerned. And I think more importantly, there's the sense that Russia is being isolated in Libya and that could have um, dangerous consequences too, too, as well. Now, with regard to um, the larger regional reaction, you know, Arab states um, have been ambivalent about um, joining the Western-led condemnation of, of Russia's actions. Most notably, several Gulf states have failed to sign on to, to UN measures. You know, they're keeping their channels open. And this really reflects, you know, years of, of Russian investment in the region through arms sales, through infrastructure, um, also through a war of narratives. And I think this is very important when we look at um, the Arab public's uh, reaction. They, in many cases, are showing sympathy um, for Putin as a way of criticizing what they see as Western double standards, especially on the issue of, of refugees. But I think it's also important to recognize that many of uh, America's uh, Arab security partners are using this moment to try to extract concessions from Washington by saying, look, you know, if you want us back in the fold, give us weapons, don't scrutinize our domestic uh, situation, human rights abuses. So it's a longstanding a game that we're that they're playing right now. Um, now, I want to ask you, as a as a specialist in Russia, what is Russia's game right now in the Middle East? How do they see this incredibly important region? You know, what what are their lines of influence now, um, especially since the reaction of the region um, is so mixed? Yeah, thanks, Fred. I mean, those observations of yours on the fence sitting of the regionals is really interesting, and of course, it plays into Russian interests as well. Russia very much welcomes this fence sitting. Russia has a small military presence in Syria and, and in Libya, and it's used that presence as a means to project power into the Eastern Mediterranean vis-a-vis -vis NATO in recent years, but also into the broader Middle East. So I would think that in this new era of protracted confrontation between Russia and the West, that kind of presence will stay very important to Moscow and therefore the Russians will be to some extent risk averse in Syria to make sure that they don't lose the influence that they have built. So keep the presence that they have in the region to project power 
Then there's the economic dimension. I mean, the MENA region is not that important uh, to Moscow in terms of overall trade numbers, but it is not insignificant, especially when we look at Russian arms sales to the region, the sale of nuclear power plants. The Russians, anticipating that they will be under Western sanctions for a long time to come, we want to preserve those economic inroads that they have built. And then there is a final element where the, the Russian government is also signaling to its domestic audience, we are not isolated here. You know, the West talks about isolating, about punishing Russia, but that is not a refre reflective of reality. And so I think more broadly, we will see a, a Russian turn to what we could call the global south, in addition to the east, you know, with, with China and India also navigating this Ukraine crisis very cautiously. So this part of the world will remain important to Russia, if not become even, even more important going forward, if we assume that, you know, between Russia and the West, we will not see any, any meaningful reconciliation anytime soon. Great points and a great reality check on this notion of an isolated Russia. However, you know, Russia's uh, presence in the region with regard to arms sales, I think, will be severely impacted and we both touched on that during the congressional hearing that's could right you, could you address that uh briefly i mean i think some countries in the region might uh be more um averse to turning to russian weapons if if they fear katsa sanctions becoming more of a credible threat from the americans and then they're also watching russian uh, military performance and the performance of russian military gear in ukraine and might therefore be a bit more risk averse and also question the ability of Russia to service and maintain those kinds of systems over the medium to long term. So these are all points I think that that one has to watch going forward. Great, and we've run out of time. A lot to watch here and uh, very good to talk to you on this all important right, issue.